Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps and I'm here with Elizabeth Helley and Tyler Hamilton. And we are here in a brand new recording location just for this week, a very special place called Blank Spaces. Yes, Blank Spaces, Culver City co-working space. So if you need virtual offices, private offices, or co-working, you should come here and check it out, blankspaces.com. It is very lovely. I can um, tell you these spaces are blank. <laughs> yeah, it's not much on the wall over here. <laughs> no, it's uh, a really awesome location, and thank you so much for letting us record. Yeah, um, and record we will about Rambo 3. In just a moment, Tyler, hold on. Because first, hold it up. Before we do anything else, we know you've been dying to reach out to us and let us know what you think of the podcast. Every week, people are like, "Hey, uh, did you guys mention the email to the podcast? I didn't hear it." Well, it's you like know. Well, you didn't listen to the end, so we're going to change it yeah. up. We're going to put it up to the beginning. You, you've been caught. We know you didn't finish the episode, <laughs> so here it is. We've only got two more Rambo's after this, so please email us your ideas for further franchises, and whatever else you want to say. It'll be Halloween, so if you have a spooky October franchise, Mm -hmm. email us, sequelrights at gmail.com, and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at sequelrights. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know we plead for this every week, but the reviews actually go a really long way, and really appreciate it. And if you have a question, if you have a suggestion, uh, if you leave it in the comment, a five-star review, we will definitely read it on the air. Yeah. Uh, And again, they go a really, really long way, and we'd really appreciate it. Reviews make us smile, you guys. Like, how would you not want to go throughout your day without knowing that you made somebody smile? So send us those reviews. Uh, speaking of smiling, Rambo 3, <laughs> 1988. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and you're definitely going to want to listen to the end of this one because we have a very special guest. That's right. We have none other than screenwriter and producer Matthew Feichens with us. Uh, and um, if you don't know who that is, uh, he's the son of Buzz Feichens. And if you watched any of the first three Rambo movies, you see his name come up in really big letters <laughs> in the opening credits. Well deserved. Uh, he produced the first three movies. Yep, and he himself is a very accomplished writer from the Dragonheart series, one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for this. <laughs> This mission's important, John. I want you to come with me to help me lead the team. What do you say, John? I put in my time. What's that mean? It means my war's over. He never draws first blood. He only fights back. The first time was for himself. The second time was for his country. This time... Rambo! Something went wrong. It's for his friend. Trumpton was a good man, and I'm really very sorry. You're just leaving him? What do you expect us to do? Send in a Delta team? Create an international incident? What about me? What about me? <laughs> I, okay, I was going to do, uh, you know, I think this one had a pretty great tagline on the poster. Okay. But then here I go listening to the trailer for the episode this week, and they say it right in the trailer. Oh, I don't, but I don't know what it is. Uh-huh. The first one was for him. The second one was for his country. 
The third one, it's for a friend. That, that's the that's the that's tag. the tagline. That's the tagline on the poster. Yeah. yeah. And it was the first one really for himself or just to not die? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's for himself. For him. That's for himself. I guess. So he can continue to live. It's called man versus society. His tortured <laughs> Rambo life. Alrighty. Well, Rambo's back, and he is uh, reluctantly. Yeah, he's trying. He's trying to live his life. He's yeah. just. He's living his peaceful life. He's off in Thailand. Living with the monks, forging knives. He's pulling, uh, what, the hound did this. Lots of people do this. They're like, I'm going to go live with monks that are not of my religion or culture and just get really involved. I'm just going to build structures, (laughs) fight for money. Mold knives. Stick fight. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I love, actually. Find out if he's drift compatible. (laughs) I actually really, uh, I kind of enjoyed the opening to this movie. Um, There's all these shots of, like, these young kids just like looking at what clearly is Rambo getting ready for something. <laughs> He's getting ready. And they're just like, what is he doing? Is he like slow motion, like puts on the headband, <laughs> gets his muscles pumped. And they're like, what's so he rubs doing? Vaseline all over himself. What's he doing? And then like the music crescendos are like to, as he like turns around and you're like, my mind was like, I was like, oh my God, his hair. Oh my God. It's like the Biggest hair I've ever seen. It, it's it's beautiful. It's out of control. It's beautiful. He has become Samson. I was like, I get why those kids were just staring in awe. The like, how does he get time. it so wavy? I mean, the shampoo there must be nice. <laughs> or conditioner? I don't know. What, what, what makes your hair wavy? I don't know. Natural <laughs> genetics. <laughs> Wigs. And heat. Um, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but we open on this scene where he's fighting in this like crazy ring, and Rambo is looking even burlier. Yes, he is. He is. If there's the first movie, then there's the second movie where he becomes like Mark McGuire, and this is the movie where he becomes Barry Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> and this scene is great. There's just so many uh, people in this scene. There's like all these like crazy amount of extras around him, just cheering in this like wild. You know, just a circle. It's not like a built-up ring or anything. It's a circle. He's finding these dudes, and I just love the energy uh, of the just. You know, I don't know. You do, I feel like you don't know, always see that many people on screen like that in just like a crazy mass, right? And you know, it's like a lot to deal with. So I, I just was. Uh, I thought that was really so. Cool. When I saw this, I thought that it was. Um, oh well, like now it's just going to be like. There's a point in this movie where he's climbing. It's like oh, it's cliffhanger. Oh, it's just Rambo trying to like co-opt all these different you know movies. And so I thought that it was like oh, like so like they're saying that he's Van Damme and like he can do Bloodsport or whatever. But I guess Bloodsport was the same year as this movie, so hmm. it was not that. Yeah, this is not really. What the movie's about, it's just a little color, what he's been up to. Uh, yeah. He only sticks fights for money. Yeah. <laughs> there's two, there's, there's, yeah, the, the fight is like these two guys just beating each other with sticks. Yeah. So, yeah, and like Troutman is there in the crowd with the uh, dad from that 70s show. show. And they're watching him and everything. And then they, later on, Rambo's like, I just do those fights for like a little extra money. And Troutman's like, I saw you give the money to the monks. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you saw that? Okay, yeah. Fine. I just didn't want you to know what a great guy I am. <laughs> I love, uh, there's this, this whole fight is going on, and while I was watching the movie, I was like, I wonder what those, like, weapons are called. I should probably, like, look that up so I don't sound stupid. But then, like, when you get to the end credits, it's just like, stick fighter. And I was like, oh, okay, they're just called sticks? Great. <laughs> I don't need to know his official name. Like one of the things Trapman says to me is that why I found you stick fighting in Thailand. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. If you watch the uh, DVD in mission mode on the <gasps> Ultimate Edition, like mine was from the LA Public Library, uh, there's like a whole little dossier that'll pop up about the uh, Chinese stick fighting. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Um, speaking of Troutman, I personally was excited to see he was in this movie. Yes, me too. Yeah. Uh, this whole time, like, uh, you know, every, we're now on the third one, and each time I'm like, waiting for the inevitable like disappearance of main players in yep. the in the production uh both in front and, and behind the camera um and like yeah rambo 3 we still have a lot of people involved yeah um even jerry goldsmith still there doing the score yay uh really awesome and uh richard krenna is just great he gets to be more involved in this movie yes apparently uh Stallone called him up before this was happening, and he was like, oh, you better get in shape. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of you just standing there and delivering all the best lines. <laughs> <laughs> he still does deliver yeah. most of the best lines, he does. though. He does. Um, and I didn't realize that uh, until this movie that he plays the same character in Hot Shots. Mm. Part oh, two. really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I've seen that movie, but that was before I've seen the Rambo stuff, so yes. I, I didn't make that connection. Uh, now we're going to have to watch that. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Troutman is here to recruit Rambo for a mission once again. And uh, Rambo wisely says no this time. He's like, you know what? I did my war. I'm I don't want fighting. to. No thanks. And everyone, everyone's pretty respectful of that. Well, it kind of feels like that he doesn't... Like, and then the the dad from that 70s show is like, well, yeah, well, Troutman's going. And I'm just like, he is? Like they're sending the colonel in? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, and Troutman gets to give that amazing speech about the statue and the rock. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was just like, the whole time I was like, you know, because that's like a whole, that's like a story people tell a lot and you've heard that a million times. So I was just like rolling my eyes a little bit, but um, I thought that was really funny. And yeah, we get to see Troutman in the field and I don't know, you said that he hit very good. I was like, yeah, you, you... He looks like an old man, (laughs) old man soldier out there (laughs) making it happen, Uh, getting captured. (laughs) This was amazing. So like uh, Troutman and what is his name? Griggs? Yeah, I think it's red. 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 (laughs) He's like, Eric. Um, They show up uh, to get Rambo and Rambo's like, nah, bro, I'm good. And then the very next scene is like Troutman getting captured. And then the next scene after that is uh, Griggs coming, Red coming back again. And I swear to God, he's wearing the same suit as yeah. he was in the earlier scene. And it may make it seem like it's just the next day or something. Well, and like, it's like he just came by to be like, I just thought you should know that Troutman's been captured. Bye. Yeah. It's like you came all the way back to Bangkok just to like give Rambo the news. So really? Yeah, I was confused by this because Red's the, uh, he's the, like an attache to the ambassador for Thailand or for Afghanistan? I don't know. I don't feel, I I just felt like he was like assistant Troutman in this movie. (laughs) Assistant (laughs) Troutman. Well, yeah, it's like so weird to believe that he flew to Afghanistan and then flew back to Thailand. I guess. (laughs) Well, I was like, is this later the same day somehow? (laughs) He's wearing the same suit. I don't know what's going on. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, so he's captured, and Rambo decides he's going to take the mission uh, because he'd do it for me. And then Riggs tells him, well, if we, we can't risk an international incident, so yeah. if you're caught over there. We can't send in Delta Squadron, and we can't get into this war in Afghanistan. We can't tip off the Russians. He gives him the Mission Impossible speech, but yeah. without the uh, exploding. Yeah, it's like, we're gonna, yeah, we're going <laughs> to disown you, and you'll never exist. We'll I'm like, used to it. Yeah. 
Typical. <laughs> he says. No, he says. I'm used to it. It's like, <laughs> it's like his like Flintstone Flintstone appliance. It's a living. Like, <laughs> uh, Stallone gets a lot of one liners in this movie. Yes. <laughs> You're like, is it supposed to be a comedy? There's a great quote from the director who was replaced uh, on this. Who said, "Yeah, I tried to change the character a little bit uh, and make him a more vulnerable, humorous person, and I completely failed at that." <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, Rambo goes off to Afghanistan. Yeah. And, uh, I gotta say, I am, uh, right in the middle of a playthrough of, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 right now. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, just like I'm playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I was thinking about this. It's amazing how much these Rambo movies have become such a blueprint for video games. I think that part of it is because the lone man thing just plays into the narrative constraints of what technology can do and it's like oh it's the base that you have to infiltrate so these guys are on set routes and it's the one guy it's the one man army so just kind of the action beats of this just got co-opted because it kind of fits what the limitations of game design was for the past 20 years Uh, and it's really interesting yeah they go really far with the whole one man theory in this one um basically uh you know, we get we get to see uh, Rambo fail in this movie. He does. He does. And the reason he fails... He doesn't get the goat. Yeah, he doesn't get the goat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's so funny because, yeah, we talk about the one-man thing. He fails at, during a night mission where he has backup, mm-hmm. although one of them is a child. <laughs> uh, and then apparently it's super easy to do the mission in the broad daylight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those movies... This movie feels overly long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when you look at the plot points, it's like, oh, like five things happen in this movie. <laughs> well, it's actually, yeah, I was, I was feeling the same way. Um, it actually felt like it went fast for me because okay. I felt like not much was happening in the first few parts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's like all save for like the last half an hour. Well, it's like, but yeah, it's like a two hour movie. Yeah, it's like an hour and 45, but like the yeah. last half an hour, it goes off the rails. rails. Yeah. A major insanity. It's crazy. Yeah. There's a lot of setup and just like, oh, let's get to know the people in Afghanistan, which like, okay, you know, but like I'm kind of <laughs> like, all a- yeah, let's get to know these Israelis. All overdubbed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when Charlton's captured, he's being uh, interrogated by the Russians, and he does like the line, which is pretty much the party line at the time of like, look, we had our Vietnam, and now this is yours, uh, which is like widely you know, accepted as true. It pretty much was their Vietnam for them, Um, which I really only know from watching the Americans, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's just so funny how if you didn't really know anything about that and you really only knew like kind of American history, you'd be like, wait, what? He's with the people of Afghanistan? Like, aren't they our enemy? You know, like you wouldn't get it at all. Like it'd be so confusing. Which which at this point you should know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True. (laughs) But, but but you're right. No, yeah, yeah you win. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> the Soviets are back again. The Soviets are back. Uh, big bad. Well, one of the things that actually they said is that like this anti-Soviet message was also kind of fading because like the wall was on it. You know, like the, it was already weakening and relations were being opened up and blah blah blah. Uh, so, but that there was people when this movie came out the, to Elis's point were like, what? <laughs> I mean, it is so over the top. Like, it almost feels like it's a 
propaganda film like to make you support the u.s's involvement in the conflict between afghanistan and russia and will make you want to like i mean not to skip all the way to the end but the final frame it says this film is dedicated to the gallant people of afghanistan Mm -hmm. which like okay cool but like should any movie really end with that sort of thing (laughs) and then expect it to be taken seriously just like as a piece of art without a political slam we're we're talking about a a movie where a man flexes a piece of rebar out of his sure sure torso (laughs) but so but then going back to this part of the film there's a whole lot of like Oh, look at this village. Look at these kids. Look at these people. Oh, now we're going to play this amazing cultural pastime sport, you know, like, and all this, like, stuff. And, like, oh, they're so nice, and they admire Rambo, and everything's great. Yeah, my point is you can't have your political cake and... uh Blow it up too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they're just like he's he's just like touring the village and being like, oh, great, cool, nice people. And then the Russians come in and just bomb everything. everything. <laughs> and you're like, all right, all right you yeah, know, because <laughs> yeah. there was a Russian spy. They were just trying to play uh, sheep, goat ball, sheep. Rambo Polo. Sheep. Yeah. Rambo Polo. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. <laughs> Uh, For for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, allow me to attempt to explain it. Sure. Um, Rambo is trying to convince the Mujahideen, uh, which I just mispronounced, but whatever. Mujahideen? Mujahideen, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Give me a second, too. Yeah. Uh, That he is a warrior worthy of their help. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want any other people to to wrongfully die, and and in something that's he's kind of making his plea to this village. They say, "Look, if we go attack, they'll come back here and wipe us out." Like, mm-hmm. there's not, there's no incentive for that. And I appreciate that the movie actually brings that into account and blowback and that intervention. I think that's the closest that this movie gets to actually saying something meaningful about conflicts like this. Anyway, the way that Rambo decides (laughs) to prove his worth to them is to engage in their custom, which is a game of uh, someone... It's basically... It seems like it's like a race, kind of like a running of the bulls, where everyone gets on horses, and there's a dead goat carcass that (laughs) that you have to be in possession of by the time the stampede ends. And everybody is going ham for this You got to drop it in the circle. You got to drop it in the circle. And Otherwise so, it doesn't, And no people, people are, are shoving people off and, and punching people. And, and there's this goat carcass. And we are tortured with cutaway shots of the people in the village that we've seen. When Rambo gets knocked off his horse, they're just like, ugh, boy, <laughs> this guy. Like, he'll never do it. And he then, like, he gets back anything. on the horse, and then they start charging, they're like, oh, like, he's, look at him go. Like, look <laughs> at that. <laughs> I did, uh, the one thing I liked about this scene is that it's intercut with this really awesome, like, helicopter footage right. of, like, these two helicopters that are clearly on their way to blow up the camp. But it's, like, flying through this, like, canyon, and it's, like, really fast-paced and you get that kind of, uh, you know, you got the, you got the uh, goldsmith going in there. Oh, yeah. This movie has some amazing cross-cutting and has some incredible photo- uh, uh, helicopter photography. Oh, yeah. Like, there is, there is stuff that helicopters doing in this movie that is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And then some, one thing in particular that a helicopter does in this movie that will make you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. There's also, in this part, like, a lot of corny jokes like he's like oh rambo check out this sport he's like i prefer football and the guy's like what is that a game you play with your feet he's like oh not really (laughs) there's like even a deleted scene where like they're walking by a wedding and the guy's like oh wedding like aren't things bad enough right now (laughs) 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 
So, no. so apparently, uh, Stallone was going through a massive divorce during the screening oh. of this movie. <laughs> no, well, no, it's not Rambo that says it. It's the guy who's showing oh. him around. But still, it's just like... But Stallone probably yeah, wrote it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you're probably right. He did co-write the script. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Rambo gets the goat, throws it in the circle, and then the village is destroyed. And then it's carnage. Everyone is getting gunned down. There's, like, women and children getting yep. gunned down. He even, yeah, he, like, watches some woman get, like, totally annihilated yep. by the guns on this... Uh, Helicopter. It's a hind D. It's it's yeah. It's pretty pretty rough. Yeah. So everyone just gets blown up, and uh, but he still wants to just. He's still got to go to the. He's, he's got to he, go to the base. He'd do it for me. Yeah, got to get Troutman. Got to get him. And Tr- uh, when Troutman's being interrogated, and the Russian guy's like, "Where are the missiles?" He's like, "In your ass." <laughs> <laughs> Real funny, <laughs> Troutman. You get that one from eighth grade, okay? Like, <laughs> you guys, uh, I love uh, Richard Crenna in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, he's so great, and I think uh, um, he has, like we said earlier, some of the best lines in the movie, <laughs> which is why uh, I wanted to um, put together a little clip <laughs> of uh, some of my favorite lines of his throughout oh. the movie. All right, here we go. John! John! Get out of here! John! John! John, get out of there! John! <laughs> John, part- John, 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 John. There's a part in the movie where, where uh, they're trying to escape down this hole in the ground into a cave, right? And and Rambo's like trying to figure out where to go, and Richard Crenn is like, John, over here, and then, and then Rambo follows him down the hole, and then like, n- not two seconds later, Rambo's in the hole in the cave, and then Richard Crenn again is like, John, and it looks like he's like around the corner, being like, this way, and it just happened so fast, and I was like, I just want to keep seeing him go like, John, John. Why, why is he even calling him John though? Because in the military, you call everybody by their last name, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, his name's Rambo, as yeah. the movie tells us. Well, uh, Stallone has some great lines as Rambo, too, and I, uh, I made those as well. Here we go. Oh. Oh. So apparently, <laughs> I read. So I read this amazing. I, I talk about it a, a little bit later in the interview when we get to it. But there's this amazing article from the LA Times. Uh, a reporter went over during the filming of this movie, and apparently Sylvester Stallone, before every take, would let out a primal wail. Wow! To get into the the moment as Rambo. I <laughs> a primal wail like yeah. Willie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would free Willy forever. He would just like, Duh! <laughs> that was, uh, man, the, the ending of this movie is nuts. Yes. Um, I don't know what you guys want to, I mean, we're just skipping around here. But anyways, yes. basically, he, he saved the day, Rambo and Chowman. They're on their way. They're done. He's free. Yeah, I mean, well, he goes in there, like, he blows the fuck up out of the base, mm-hmm. and then has to retreat. Yeah, and you think they're free, but yeah. then, like, it turns out main Soviet guy has come around with an entire army. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I love this because, you know, in every other movie, you're like, okay, well, it's just the two of them against, like, a full army of tanks. Yeah. Clearly, like, some deus ex machina is going to happen here all of a sudden. So I'm just waiting for that, like, eh, the U.S. government's going to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The U.S. government's going to show up at the last minute, blow right. everything up. Um, but oh, no, Rambo's just... Wait, they're allergic to water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Russians hate water. <laughs> But no, I think Rambo's just like, fuck him. No, he does. <laughs> and then he just shoots a truck. Yeah. And I was like, what? What? They're going to fight these dudes? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. So I have to bring this up because you guys need to eat some Jade Crow. Because you specifically said Rambo was going to sell that girl's necklace. <laughs> and he was, and you were like, yeah, I'm so sure. I really want to see him wear the necklace in the next movie. And yet, there he was wearing that necklace. He was. Because yep. it brings him luck. But then he just gives it away to a little boy. Yeah. So. Well, to a meaningful little boy. Kid. I, I mean, find him meaningless. Oh. <laughs> By the way, just real quick, child star check-in on Israeli child Dowdy Shoah, uh-huh. who was in one other movie in Israel the year after this. And then, according to the Italian language cinema wiki, which Google translated for me, <laughs> he then abandoned his film career and nothing was heard from him. Uh, What? <laughs> Which kind of seems to be the case that because I looked really seems ominous. Seems like he could be Israeli special forces now, and maybe we should stop talking about. Okay, it. <laughs> moving on. His performance was great. You were very meaningful. I'm sorry. I cried when yeah. you got shot. He lived, <laughs> but he got hurt. He, he got the necklace. That's true. He did. He did. He made out pretty good in this movie. Yes. Got some bling. I did. Uh, there's another. Do you want to? Talk about uh, Troutman's line about whether or not Rambo is a god. Yes. <laughs> Who is this Rambo? What is he a god? Or does he? Or is he say like? Yeah, he's he like, he is. is he god? What is well, God would have mercy. He won't. <laughs> like I will hunt this man down. You won't have to. He's hunting you. <laughs> it's the thing he says literally right after that. This I, the God would have mercy, he won't would have been a good tagline too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The movie like continues all the to check off all the boxes of like what we now have decided is a Rambo movie. I will say that this movie, as I think that so far we'll we'll get to our ratings, but I, I assume it's it's our least favorite, probably does include the most quoted line of all time. Of any movie. Which is? Who do you think you are? I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> that, but that's not from here originally, is it? Yeah. Seriously? Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? Yes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is a pretty popular movie. Yeah. That wasn't from like Nightmare on Elm Street or something? No. <laughs> okay. Who do you think you are? I'm your, I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> Wow. All right. Um, <laughs> but what was that, sir? I didn't hear you. <laughs> huh? I feel like you're trying to be menacing, but I can't, uh, can't, 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 can't quite get it. Yeah. So that happens in this movie. I, I feel like we just need to start talking about all the batshit stuff that happens. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So well, uh, let's talk about, uh, I, I would like you to talk about uh, probably our unanimous favorite kill in this movie. Oh, my God. So we're in, the, so like like I was saying, we're checking off boxes of a Rambo movie. Richard Crenna talks about how dope Rambo is. Check. Yeah. 
Rambo talks over a walkie or radio to the bad guy. <laughs> check, check. Rambo takes out enemies in some sort of silent, sneaky way. Check. Back in the cave. So we're in the cave now. Yeah. Now we're like, Rambo... Uh, oh, before that, we were like, Rambo kills someone with an explosive bow and arrow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We got the headband. Uh, and Rambo doesn't want to fight, is the first yeah, thing I Yeah, mean. yeah, yeah. And, and with the, the bow in this one, I love that he had like hidden away some sort of like build a bow <laughs> in his pocket. <laughs> build a bow? Coming to so, like build a bear? Coming, yeah. yeah, coming to a Westfield near you. There's, oh this, long, there's this long scene of him like pulling out the IKEA instructions, <laughs> reading the Swedish, putting the bow together. And then he pops up like out of nowhere and blows up <laughs> a helicopter in one shot. And, it, it, and the guy's like, yeah, it cuts to the reaction shot of him. Like he sees the bow and is scared of it. Yeah, like, how would he know to be scared of it? That was my question. When the I helicopter know. pilot was like, yeah. like I'm like, it's it's just an arrow. You think he would be like, what? You know? Yeah. And the shot is so weird. It looks like he's popping up literally right in front of the helicopter. <laughs> Like you're playing some sort of like whack-a-mole game or something. Um, anyway, so he takes out all the guys in this cave and he's escaping out the top of the cave and he's cl- climbing out like, and then uh, Trotman's like, John! Because he's like already John! way off. He, he's off like telling him like, John! Oh, the checkpoint's over here, John, <laughs> yeah, come yeah. here. Uh, and then he sees he's about to get attacked by that huge Russian dude who's like mm-hmm. been the heavy. Uh, and they fight, they fight, they fight. He wraps the, uh, you, you can start to see what's going to happen because he starts to wrap the rope that they use to climb out of the, this hole in the ground. <laughs> and you're like, ah, I see what's going to happen. He's going to get hung. Yeah. But they've thrown in a little extra spice. <laughs> While he's fighting this dude, he notices that he's got like a grenade on his chest. Um, and he pulls the pin on the grenade and the guy's like, oh, shit. Oh. He's like freaking the fuck out. And then Rambo Stallone kicks him into the hole. <laughs> yeah, Stallone <laughs> kicks him in the hole and he falls. And, you, and, and like we see the whole thing. Here's what happens. He, it's so awful. He falls down. You see his neck get snapped from hanging. And then he blows up. And it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, it's very deliberate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, he that was so brutal. Double kills this fool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it was pretty rough, but I laughed really. It reminded hard. me of the, it was it isn't was it a Steven Seagal movie where like he shoots a guy, stabs a guy, then throws him down an elevator. <laughs> <and snapped. laughs> it's just the whole the whole process of it. Like the guy knew he was probably going to die already because he's got the grenade. Like the pin is pulled, man. You can't un the pin is gone. Rambo ate the pin. I don't know. And then he's getting kicked down. He's falling. He's falling. And he's like, well, at least maybe I'll blow up before. No, his neck snaps and then he blows up. <laughs> Really terrible. The second, uh, not the second, the other most ridiculous thing, and I, I realize, like, the, we've talked about how much these Rambo movies uh, have their DNA through all of action cinema. There's a blueprint for it. Like, so many of these shots, so many of these things, like, they're just iconic. And uh, watching this movie, I realized where a another movie that we've seen um, kind of borrowed from, and maybe it was even perhaps a homage, uh, and that is a Fast and the Furious movie, <laughs> where uh, <laughs> two the protagonist, the antagonist, decide that they're going to drive their cars at each other at top speed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is like 
I mean, I know, I know you guys are like, I didn't like this movie, but I had so much fun with like, oh my what God. is happening? <laughs> so what happens in this movie is that, uh, so the deus ex machina that Justin was expecting arrives. It's the yeah, it's, it's hilarious. They're like in this hole, they're, they're fighting, fighting, and they're, you know, Rambo's shooting off all the grenades he can. And then all of a sudden they're like, what's that noise? What's that noise? And then it's like <laughs> Gandalf and the Dothraki coming in right here. I was like, Gandalf? <laughs> and sure enough. <laughs> On the fourth day. <laughs> That's right. There's a light over the hill and a bunch of horses come riding down. But yeah, the Mujahideen soldiers show up. Right. And, it, and I mean, you could side by side the shots of the Dothraki showing up <laughs> yeah. in Game of Thrones that one time. Um, it's pretty great shot of a bunch of horses. Yeah. And this allows Rambo to get into one of the tanks. Mm. And as things are happening, uh, he decides that he's he's going to let he's going to get this Russian commander. <laughs> and the Russian commander decides, "I have the high ground." So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in a helicopter. <laughs> Give so. it up, Rambo. I have the high ground. <laughs> and so he flies super low. <laughs> he gives up the high ground. Fire, like they just basically just start yelling at it, <laughs> yelling yeah, this at it like this. <laughs> exactly like well, that. Was that the actual clip? Because yes. <laughs> well, I slightly edited it because he does the yeah thing after. There's actually a, a moment where where uh, Richard Crenna goes, John, get out of there! In, in the middle of there, that oh, I yeah. edited into the other clip. Yeah, because Richard Crenna's like, uh, like, like Rambo could hear him and yell inside. Well, this, tank this is while hilarious because flying at him. It's like there's this whole battle going on, and and the way it's shot, it looks like the battle stops for everyone to be like, whoa. These dudes are driving a tank at each other, tank and helicopter. We, let's stop fighting and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? I probably would. Yeah. Right. So, so they just so Rambo just ends up driving the tank into the helicopter somehow. He's like, I want to see how fast this tank goes. <laughs> and so the tank blows up, and the helicopter blows up, but he's in the tank, so he survives, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As you do. Yeah. And then they they leave Afghanistan. Yeah. Day is saved. Here's a necklace for your troubles. Wow. Okay, so he gives the kid the necklace, right? And the kid's like, Rambo Poppins, are we ever going to see you again? (laughs) And Rambo's like, no. You know, and they're like, can't you stay here and fight with us? And he's like, no. They get in the thing, and him and Troutman drive away. And Troutman's like, I think we're getting soft. And Rambo's like, yeah, maybe we are, just a little. (laughs) And they just drive away off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. But there was an alternate ending. What? (laughs) And in the alternate ending... Troutman instead says it's it's all the way same up to and then Troutman instead says Rambo I think you're getting a little soft instead of we are getting mm-hmm. a little soft and Rambo goes yeah maybe I am just a little and then he's like pull over and and Troutman's like what he's like pull the pull the jeep over and he pulls over and Rambo's like I'm staying here and he gets out of the jeep and he like and Troutman's like what what are you doing he's like you said I'd find the place that I belong and I think I belong here and then he like goes and gets on a horse and rides off with the Afghanis and then the this movie's dedicated to the gallant people of Afghanistan pops up wow wow 
So, uh, is, there, yeah. is there a freeze frame at the end of this one? I believe that there is. I couldn't remember. I think it's the I think it's the Jeep driving off in freeze frame. <laughs> just like ding. the gallon people. There was a third alternate or what? a second alternate ending also on the DVD called joke ending <laughs> and so i was like oh this, I mean, maybe this is gonna be like really something real funny like you know they're gonna joke like ending. dance off screen or something you know i don't know what this is gonna be and in this one <laughs> instead of the line they're driving off and rambo looks at a child man and he's just like you know next time you want to get in on the action promise me you'll just go on a safari <laughs> That's it? That's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the movie. Hilarious joke. <laughs> but can you imagine if they had done the version where Rambo just stays in Afghanistan and, like, becomes a fighter, freedom fighter? Like, wh- how do you unexplain that for the next movie? <laughs> yeah. like, That's why whoa. they took 20 years to figure it out. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the music in this movie. Yes. Um, I love uh, that Jerry Goldsmith is back, and Rambo is in full-on superhero mode in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we have now are extremely familiar with his theme, uh, and every time he does anything heroic, like, you know, landing the goat in the circle, or there's an amazing scene where he jumps over in slow motion, the tiniest patch of fire I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> It's like every time this happens, the, the, the theme is like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like he's a, like a fucking Marvel movie yeah. or something, which I thought was really, really fun. Um, and it led to these moments where uh, you can hear, you know, I watch this movie by myself, but you can hear like, you know, as he's building the bow, it's like I could hear the audience members just being like, yeah. Because yeah. like, you know, everything is built in like the, to, 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 um, hit what the fans are looking for, I think, right. at this point. Um, but, uh, so the first, the second movie was really successful, right? But they, and they had Frank Stallone in the end credits. This one, they're like, hey, we made all this money. Why don't we get, a little, spend a little bit more money and get somebody like Bill Medley to do a cover? <laughs> uh, and there's a great cover of, uh, a very 80s cover. <laughs> it wasn't uh, Bill Medley, like our most frequent sequel rights song yeah, guy yes, already? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now he's on three. Exactly. Who can beat him? Uh, he did a, he, he, he did a cover of... can't beat Medley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, uh, made famous by the Hollies. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to talk to you guys about is I was looking up the soundtrack today. Okay. And there's more songs. Oh, shit. There's more songs. Okay. Just like songs inspired by or something? I think these other songs, so the, the He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother is a cover, right? And up to the, now, I think we've had original songs at the end. These other two songs, I believe, are original songs. One of them is by Bill Medley. The other one by Giorgio Moroto featuring uh, Joe Pizzullo. Joey Pizzullo. Um, and I wish, I wish we had like... 10 minutes to just play these small songs. <laughs> but you got to hear, I, I, I made some clips. You got to hear these clips. All right. Feel free to editorialize during if you want. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're on the shorter side. The first one I'm playing is called It Is Our Destiny by Bill Medley. It's our destiny. <laughs> you are you <laughs> the ending's the best part of this one. I 
Now, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that one's better than the one that's in the end credits. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, it. it is. It's more in the line of the Frank Stallone and Dan Hill songs sure. that we had. The previously. strong legacy. It's almost a little bit too perky, though. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah, but they're all. To the gallant people of Afghanistan. <laughs> you go. Yeah. It's almost more like a love song this than is a. Destiny. Destiny. Yeah. Uh, I just think. Um, I don't know. That one is like actually a fun song to listen to. <laughs> and I love the boom at the end. Can we do a karaoke night near you? The other one is called The Bridge. Oh. And is equally as majestic. Here we go. We're going to lift our eyes and open wide the bridge to the sky. <laughs> hey. Heimdall. Praise Rambo. <laughs> yeah, it's like a gospel song. Uh, I, I know we were laughing over it, but I just got to play the beginning of this part again. It's like there's a part where it goes into like a um, like a Phil Collins drum breakdown, but it mm-hmm. sounds like the drummer had like a stroke and was like, <laughs> I'm going to finish this. Just I'll just play the very beginning here. Listen. No, Tim, keep going. No, no, no. This is your part. We talked about this. Um, the sticks are heavy. Continue. You guys, these songs are great. Check them out. They're on Spotify. Uh, the Rambo 3 soundtrack. Uh, we have a Spotify playlist with every movie we've done. And our podcast is on Spotify. Synergy. Well, shit. <laughs> I think it's time for ratings oh. before we get to our awesome interview. Well, how many dead goat balls <laughs> <laughs> or dead goat carcasses used this? Because it makes it seem like dead goat carcasses. <laughs> we didn't touch their balls. They're just full-on carcasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No balls. I agree. <laughs> How many go carcasses would you give Rambo three? Rambo first blood part three. Mm. You want me to go? Yeah. Do Don't it. you always go first? Uh, I, I was right. like trying to look up what I gave the last. I'm going to give it <laughs> four. It's a low four, but um, I just want like this one is a lot worse than the other two. I mean, I was already like getting annoyed that number two said less than number one about like. Being subversive and like you know taking another look at the government, and this one is like full on propaganda, and it's not even like pro U.S. as much as it's just like trying to be like clever to be pro what the U.S. is doing in other countries, which is even more suspicious that we should be like maybe looking at with another you know eye, and it just doesn't go there at all. It's just like yeah, everything we do is perfect and. Rambo doesn't like 
there's not even that moment where he's like, you know, blowing up the computers or questioning any kind of authority. It's just kind of like a milk toast action. What if, which is like an oxymoron, but like, you know what I mean? Well, no, like, it's, there's it's, nothing. It's fine yeah. because his friend was there. Oh, it's for a friend. It was for a friend. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. This time it's for a friend. This yeah. time it was for yeah. a friend. You know, he's gone full circle. But yeah, and I just missed, I didn't think that he like did as many cool sneaky things. There wasn't like the home alone moment where he's setting up the traps, you know, like. I mean, the cave's a little bit. Kind of, but just not as good. He got all those dudes to shoot at their own guy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was great. There's also that amazing scene when he's, the guy's explaining about the, um, he's explaining about the blue light. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah he gets this kit from like weapons trader and i guess we should we needed to talk about Sorry. this because this is amazing uh and I, actually i should have gotten glue, blue glow sticks because they just give him a bunch of glow sticks yeah and the guy's like well what do they do they turn blue yeah and that's that's it okay but yeah i mean i guess i this the way this series is going so far i at least appreciate like the attention to the franchise details like I, even though it was stupid i appreciated just the fact that the necklace was there like yeah you guys richard joked Krenna's about there. it and it made it yeah and richard krenna he made it and we have acknowledged rambo's history the entire time we didn't retcon any of it but he just keeps doing like missions that are not as cool mm-hmm. so you know well you know while i was watching this movie i started to get the feeling that I made a, mis- a strategic mistake in my life. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't my fault. I don't know. Uh, I, think the, I think the issue that I, you know, I gave um, Rambo First Blood Part Two a five. And after watching this movie, I realized that the issue I had with it, I think was really just more like we had watched Missing in Action first. And yeah. now I'm watching Rambo First Blood Part 2, and I'm kind of like, it's like the same thing. I already saw this movie. So I was feeling a little bit down on it, even though it's, you know, clearly a better movie technically. Um, yeah. And, this. and like more, yeah, more important than this movie and everything. But watching this movie, I was just having a lot of fun with the stupidity and yeah. insanity of it that I was like, I was like, I don't know. I had, I had a more enjoyable time myself watching this movie. I'm not saying it's a better movie. Um, and, you know, these ratings that we give are just totally arbitrary anyways, yeah. basically. But I'm actually going to give it uh, six uh, dead goat carcasses. Wait, what? This movie you're giving six? Yeah. yeah, the last one I gave a five. I'm giving this one a six because of the sheer bananasness of it. All right. And I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I think, honestly, if I would have watched Rambo 2 before... Missing the action, I wouldn't have felt so like I've seen this story already. Like I, well, I'm not that interested because I've seen the story already, kind of. Um, but that's just me. That's just the way that that happened. And I was just like, this movie is so dumb. I was having more fun with it. So this movie, also with Rambo: First Blood Part Two, was critically kind of reviled. Like they were not well received, but got great cinema scores, and it kind of made me think of that when like oh the critics hate it and like a lot of the movies that i love people don't like you know Mm -hmm. and a lot of the dumb action movies that i like are and and and, or art house movies whatever they are um they i I, there's something about pleasing an audience i suppose and something about like if it just works it works and i think that first blood part two is one of the 
iconic action movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that this movie is is so batshit and fun. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give it five goat carcasses, but I totally understand where you're coming from on it. Where it's like, am I getting old now? Where I don't think that these are as fun, and like I don't want that. There was just like so there was a moment. Like, one of the moments in this movie that I was, like, rolling my eyes during at the start was, like, you know, at one point Rambo gets stabbed through with a piece of shrapnel, and he pulls it out, you know, in the cave, he pulls it out, and then we see him go to, uh, like, cauterize it with his uh, his knife. And, you know, while I'm watching this, I was like, ah, we've seen... We've seen uh, we've seen this happen a million times in movies. Like whatever, it's like not. I've seen this before. I'm unimpressed. Like whatever. I'm sure people at the time were like, "Oh my god, yeah. this is so intense." What? Um, and he goes to cauterize it, and it pulls away to this shot of like it exploding in his chest and like fire coming out of both ends of the hole. And I was like, "Okay, what? Okay." I was like fully like this is a scene we've seen a million times. Next scene, and then that happened, and I was just like, "Oh man, okay, this is like so stupid." But that kind of thing that surprised me more than the things that happened in the last movie. I think that these movies, as whoever you think about them, they have left a long shadow on movies ever since, and there are scenes that have been copied and imitated and morphed and modified, and they're just. Um, they're just part of the the DNA stream of of American movies at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, before you guys go anywhere, we have an awesome interview coming up right now with uh, Matthew Feichens. It's so good. Listen uh, to it. Listen to it right now. Well, we are here with a very special guest right now, um, screenwriter and producer Matthew Feitchens. Uh, thanks Hi for there, being here, everybody. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> yeah, awesome to have you. Um, and, you know, we have had you on this episode because you have a very special uh, personal relationship with the Rambo series um, that we've been talking about for the last three weeks. And can you uh, elaborate on what that is exactly? It's very true. You could say that my college education is the degree that Rambo paid for, <laughs> in, in, in a way. Uh, yeah, my father, his name is Buzz Feichens, uh, and he was a producer on the first three Rambo films. And uh, the films were, you know, really uh, key to, I think, me growing up to become uh, a writer and a filmmaker. They were kind of the, uh, you know, these seminal projects that I was uh, from, uh, you know, a 13-year-old through a 20-year-old sort of expanding my knowledge of what film was and and what Hollywood was and stuff like that. And I was living on these sets and sort of understanding, they're coming to understand, you know, how films were made. Uh, And these were uh, three big movies that sort of contributed to that, uh, you know, in addition to the other ones that uh, Buzz was a producer on, Um, you know, big notable ones being Conan the Barbarian and Total Recall uh, and uh, a host of others of the big action movies of the yeah, 80s just the, and 90s. the pillars of, of <laughs> 80s action movies. The, the ones that have all the muscles. Yeah, exactly. They're absolutely exactly. And being gay, I very quickly early on noticed those muscles. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, did anyone else noticing how homoerotic this is? But, uh, maybe you know, no one else did at the time. But, uh, Let's get more close up of these biceps. Could it exactly. be greasier? I, there were. I, I definitely remember there were moments where uh, Stallone. You know, would uh, would would 
stop a stop a take or at least say you know i don't know if we're getting quite the abs you know like <laughs> the, the light on the on the, on these as they as we should but anyway nice uh, so yeah buzz was uh, involved in in these films uh, early on and and it's, it's funny watching them you know as you guys do you said yeah. you watch them and discuss them and i sit and i watch them and, I'm, and i go okay i'm i'm right there i'm hiding behind that pillar and i'm ducking down because you know they could Oh you get God. these weird sense memories where you kind of remember where you were, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in Hope, Alaska, or rather Hope, Canada, Hope, British Columbia, you know, in, in whatever winter of 1981. And uh, famously, like, I think that this is just what an amazing, you talked about kind of these films being your, not paying for your college education, but also just being your education in My cinema, cinema school. Yeah. yeah. And, and so many of these movies are famously have had so many weather problems and just craziness. And I can't imagine with your dad having to like bear all the stress of that as being the line producer on some of them. <laughs> and you just knowing like, well, it's the most snow in 150 years. Like what? Like, I don't know. What are we supposed to do? Well, we guess we melt it. That's what we have to do. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And just kind of getting that side of it from the biggest scale possible i just can't imagine what that's like he always always said that like the only way you can get through it is by hiring people that you trust you yeah. know in each department and being able to field the solutions from them you mm-hmm. know like he said if in fact you just telling me the other day at lunch you, you said you know like if if you can have one or two department heads each bring you one solution each you know then you have a chance like you know because you've got four possible solutions to head off at the past this tremendous problem coming yeah. up you know like yes, yes. Like, there's going to be this enormous snowstorm mm-hmm. everything's going to uh, stop you know mm-hmm. the trucks won't be able to get in everyone will be wet Every shot will take, every take will take, you know, 10 times longer to dry everyone off. What are we going to do? You yeah. Know, someone's going to call it with a solution, you know, if you can't do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just starting at like, what's your first memory of being kind of, with, uh, not even Rambo related, like with uh, on a movie set with your dad or just falling, like just kind of thinking about, oh, like this is a thing that I can do. <sighs> Well, it it would be Conan the Barbarian. Uh, mm. It would be standing in the orgy scene set <laughs> of Conan the Barbarian. I'm nine years old, and, you know, and there's just oiled and greased uh, women and ladies' bodies around there, and a huge cauldron of soup made of human body parts, right? And I'm sitting there around looking and going, "This is really cool." <laughs> yeah. And that's where that's where I started to, uh, you know. I essentially started writing my first screenplay mm-hmm. after that film was made, which was just copying mm-hmm. uh, Milius's screenplay of Conan Barbarian. But I went on to shoot it, you know, in my right. backyard, Absolutely. you know, like the hills in Studio City where I lived, and I started, you know, filming a, a kind of bastardized version of Conan. Uh, and then, but you know, jumping forward to to First Blood, um, it was interesting. I remember, I remember really distinctly. In fact, it was a moment where my father kind of confided in me as an mm-hmm. older you know, he so he's like in his mid-40s at this point and i'm you know i'm 13 mm-hmm. or 12 actually and I, and he i was talking to him on on the phone my parents were divorced and so mm-hmm. he was giving me a call just to check in and i remember him saying he had gotten this call to go on this film first blood and but it was requiring him to kind of depart momentarily at least from his partnership with John Milius mm-hmm. and the company that they had created. And he asked me, you know, do you think I should do it? And I remember telling him, well, I, th- I think if it's a movie, that's a go movie. Yeah, you should. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> right, 11 right, right. Or 12. like I think if it's a movie, you should do it. And, uh, and he did it. And, and, you know, I think it all turned out well for everybody sure, because he ended up making other movies with Milius and that, that friendship actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, continued on for 
to this day. Uh, but it got him involved in a franchise, you know, that that was quite successful. So I'm not going to take credit for it, but but we will give you credit. That's right. For it. I was cheerleading. <laughs> I was cheerleading him on. And so, yeah. So I remember being very distinctly in hope, freezing, freezing cold, and they were always battling the weather. Um, one thing I really remember is Brian Dennehy being mm-hmm. just like a really super great guy. Oh man very friendly and you know like one of those guys that sort of sees you on the set as like this 10 year old kind of knows you're probably don't know what's going on he sort of you know took me around and you know showed me various things uh david caruso i distinctly remember him it's just funny you you see these people who go on later to be such yeah. big stars and like yeah. you, know, you were like this bit part you know, right. you know getting the shit beat out of you in, in his jail cell <laughs> Uh, but you know, a lot of fun just to, you know, sort of think back and say, oh, I remember that guy, his hair was so red. Yeah. <laughs> I just really remembered how vividly red. red that hair was. <laughs> and, um, you know, the end of that movie is you guys talked yeah. about it yourselves. Um, I remember a slightly different, a slightly different, uh, you know, version of that. Uh-huh. I, I'm not so sure that the directors had, uh, had Stallone's, a hundred percent support right. for the ending where he survived. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think in actuality, Stallone was a little bit more on the side of no, you should die because yes. uh, I do remember Buzz uh, talking distinctly about uh, Stallone basically saying, you've got one take to do the, he survives a version. Right. Oh, wow. And that's why it is this long shot that uh-huh. encompasses everything that gets it all in, right? Because it's like you had to end the whole movie and he was only going to do it, it once. Was. You <laughs> had to have everything yeah. in there. Right? Like, I'm going to give you one option. Yeah, if you you're... really want it, you're going to have to use this. So, wow. so that was, but it obviously was the right choice, you know, from oh, yeah. the point of view of the franchise. I was just going to ask if you ever got to touch Brian Dennehy's luxurious jacket. <laughs> I was actually thinking the same. Or try it on. I, yeah. I, 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 it was probably draped over my shoulder. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. It, was, it, was it looked like the warmest thing in that movie. <laughs> uh, like, so I'm really fascinated by how over the course of these movies is really when Stallone, I mean, obviously with Rocky, like he had, you know, producer control and control of it, but as they, they, progressed there was he became so much more of a force and so like do you have any relationship kind of knowing like being around him and seeing that and it seems like that he has the movie's best interest at heart in it, but it's the movie that's inside his mind um and kind of how that grew over the course of the franchise and and what that's like to be around yeah well you know he clearly he was already directing movies by the time yeah. you know the second film well even First film, but the second film, he was, you know, he had very successful mm-hmm. uh, Rocky three, and I think even Rocky four was just, I think, just I after. Don't it. remember the exact time. Anyway, yeah. Rocky three for sure right. was, before. yeah, and Rocky three was a fantastic, mm-hmm. well done, you know, film. Um, and the films were always done. I mean, if you look at, you know, Ted Kocha, if you look at uh, Cosmatos, and mm-hmm. you look at, um, well, you know, Russell McKay becoming uh, Peter. What was his name? Peter did number three. Peter McDonald. Peter McDonald. Right. They're very, in some ways, workmanlike yes. uh, directors. Not super ego mm-hmm. kind of. You know, it's not like hiring Ridley or hiring <laughs> yeah. you know, David Fincher or someone like right. that. Um, but at the same time, I think the producers were always cognizant that Sly really is going to have a hand in this. Yeah. And it's a matter of finding someone that he's going to respect. 
but that's also going to be okay when he says, oh, no, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. And the first one, I think, was a little bit less. um, There was some of that there, Mm -hmm. but it was still, Kachif was coming in, a respected director at that point, you know, had done a couple of, I think, you know, quite well-received movies and had been on the project for a while beforehand. So there was a sense of, Stallone is going to respect this guy because this guy is sort of bringing the project to him, which wasn't to say that they didn't have blowups. I mean, because mm-hmm. they, they certainly did. There was, uh, I remember one uh, moment that later was remarked upon about being an extremely dangerous moment where they, you know, came to, um, a, a, you know, like a, a yeah. screaming match. And wow. <clears throat> I can't actually remember. I think it was the director who picked up a ladder at one point and, sure. and threatened to throw it. Unfortunately, he was picking up the ladder while they were shooting the helicopter as, oh, a, poor, as a poor man's process, right? So the helicopter is on risers oh, above yeah. everybody with its rotors going. It's not flying, but they're making it look like it's flying, right? And if you pick that ladder up and it goes into those rotors, that's a problem. And like, <laughs> yeah. There was like oh this tension-filled moment where you're standing underneath this helicopter and what's going to happen? You know, nothing happened. But yeah, so there was, there was definitely some, uh, you know, back and forth between them on the set. Um, And then you get to first blood part two and you get George Cosmatis there, who I think, you know, also was someone who needed the movie in as much a way as any, as anyone else did. Right. Mm -hmm. He literally was a director who had done, you know, films in Greece, he'd done films in Canada. Now he's getting this big budget uh, film and he needed to make sure that he brought it in and, you know, and did what the producers, executive producers needed him to do, what the studio needed him to do. Yeah. And so he, I think he understood, you know, it's a movie where I'm going to have to work with Sly when he says, you know, he needs this or wants this. Um, But still, I think, you know, he brought a lot to it. I, I think that's actually what makes, unfortunately, Rambo three, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion, the kind of the weakest of the three films, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you could take them all to task for jingoism <laughs> or for yep. whatever you want to take them to task. Sure. But obviously they're a very successful franchise. Yes. And so to look at them on that's on just on what they did well, I think three suffers from the fact that unfortunately the original director, Russell Mulcahy, mm-hmm. Like, if you think about Highlander, you think about some of the films that he did and the vi- all the videos all he the music did. All the videos, yeah. Um, he would have brought a kind of panache and style to it mm-hmm. that I think you can see in the first... I think in Kotcheff's film, First Blood, you can see a kind of indie filmmaker, someone who's really attuned to the emotional mm-hmm. story that's going on, and yeah. it ends up with being, you know, really a kind of a tear-jerking scene at the end that's mm-hmm. quite powerful. Yeah. And it's one of Stallone's best scenes. Yeah. I think mean, just whole scenes that he's ever done in a film. Yeah. And then with Cosmonos, I think you had someone who was a real kind of popcorn crackerjack film student. Yeah. He really knew what he was doing with the camera. And although he's gone on, you know, went on to make some pretty crappy movies mm-hmm. thereafter, he also made, you know, made Tombstone. And, you know, he's... he's One of my favorites. He, exactly. <laughs> he knows... He knew what he was doing with the camera enough to be able to, I think, make that into just a fun, compact, great action movie. And I think Mulcahy would have brought something artistic yeah. to three. Who knows what it would have been? But unfortunately, you know, he gets fired and you end up with... Someone who was, I mean, a great second unit director, 
but I don't think there was anything brought to it besides competency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I think mean? it was it was the do as do as what I do what I want and let's execute it. And some of the 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 stunts and the helicopter stuff is stunning in this movie. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's it's incredible work. Uh, and it, yeah, it's incredibly it's well crafted. But by that point, I think it was very clear that Stallone was going to dictate. You know what. Yeah what was happening within the frame essentially. Mm-hmm. And he was relying on the director to, you know, set up the shots, not be, um, uh, not be intimidated by, you know, the number of extras or the number of pieces of hardware that we have there or the number <laughs> of explosions in the shot, you know, and get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I do remember um, uh, Buzz remarking several times about how uh, even after Mulcahy was gone, there was, you know, still tension between mm-hmm. Peter and Stallone, but that by halfway through, in a way, Stallone had lost interest in even trying to, to dictate that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think there's also the sense when you're, you know, when you're a big star like that. Of course, we don't know. We're not. We're not him. You know, mm-hmm. we, and he would probably think that we're all that we're all nuts, <laughs> uh, or or don't know what we're talking about. But I definitely get the sense that at some point you become so big of a star. And, you know, you can't go out in the world as often or as mm-hmm. frequently as you might like to. You, you are kind of sealed up in this mm-hmm. world. Of you. And these movies are often all that you have, right? These movies are all there is to go out and to express yourself. Yep. Because otherwise you're like locked in hotels in various places and first class establishments. But you're kind of you're kind of always isolated. And now this is what you do. And so I think you can, uh, as you know, an actor that big... At that time, it's your chance to express yourself and to you know to to have your point of view seen or heard, and you're gonna you're gonna do it to uh, no matter what you know. Mm-hmm. And even if even if you get looked at as the jerk, you know, or the mm-hmm. you know the difficult one, it doesn't matter. And if, you know, I think also you know Stallone's kind of a Type A person, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. So you were definitely on set for First Blood, but did you get to go for part two and Rambo two three Rambo, as well? Uh, Rambo three, I was only on set in the um, in Arizona, which is mm-hmm. where they shot the kind of the ending of the movie once he once he takes everyone out of the uh, he rescues the boy and, mm-hmm. and kind of comes out uh, into the final battle uh, <laughs> with the where you know where you get the tank uh, squaring, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, squaring off with the, uh, the, the helicopter that was all done in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, but I was on set, uh, for Rambo two in, um, Acapulco, yeah. Mexico was where it was, the production was based and mm-hmm. then, you know, the jungles there. And, uh, uh, my, I guess my, one of my prouder moments, uh, you know, again, I, <laughs> I, I hesitate to say I'm responsible for it, but, but I definitely do have, I definitely have this, this, I remember we were in, it was, you know, pre-production we were watching or looking at, uh, I was looking at the storyboards and in the storyboards for the final uh, bit of First Blood Part 2, Rambo comes back to the base, you know, where Charles Napier uh, is uh, waiting for him and, uh, you know, afraid that Rambo has made it out, right? <laughs> and they, you know, he, he manages to land the chopper and, 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 barely survived you know, to get in. And it, it cut to, you could see in the storyboards that the first shot inside the home base, right, was just like the silhouette of Rambo appearing in the door. And then the next shot was cutting to uh, Napier reacting scared. And, mm-hmm. and Rambo has this confrontation with him. <clears throat> and I remember saying to George, like, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I said, 
Rambo should shoot up the place. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, George sort of smiled at me. And George was this big, big guy, you know, always kind of slightly overweight, but sort of jolly, you know, in, until he got on the set and he was kind of a terror. But he was, you know, in person, in, in real life, you know, rather to you, he was very okay. uh, personable. And uh, he just, you know, nodded, nodded at me, smiled. He came back the next day and he looked at me and he was staring at me. And I was, you know, sitting in the production office somewhere in my dad's office. And he said, I used your idea. <laughs> I, I said, I said, oh, what was the idea? He said, when he comes back, he's going to sh- take his gun. He's going to have his big M60. And he's going to go, ga, 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 Blow up the whole place. <laughs> I, I don't I just, I was just at that point amused that the, or, uh, I was, what's the right word? I was just, uh, you know, glad that the director had yeah. uh, acknowledged me. You know, yeah. I, 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 I would have really been the thrilled. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. it was just thrilling. <laughs> but then, then it cuts to the movie, and I actually think, you know, that that's a really key moment. You yeah. Know? yeah. And he shot the hell out of it. Had, I love that shot of the bullets hitting the floor and the casings mm-hmm. exploding, yeah, yeah. and it looks like, almost looks like Jack's, you know, like someone's uh, <laughs> oh kid. It's so iconic. Like, there's yeah. so much that's just in action movie DNA that comes from all of the movies that you that you've been around for your entire life like it's it's action movie dna i think it's like what michael bay drinks every morning <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah so that was uh that was on uh on rainbow first bullet part 2 and and uh, the third one yeah it ended up in arizona because you mm-hmm. know stallone wanted to have this ending of all of the afghani freedom fighters right mm-hmm. um riding on their horses and, and, and coming to the rescue like the cavalry, right? Which, I mean, it makes sense for that story. Yep. It totally makes sense. It kind of has a, a, a Western um, homage in it even. But guess what you can't get in Israel? Like a hundred riders. <laughs> you, can ride you can barely find a hundred horses there. Yeah. So that's why it had to come back to, okay. uh, to Arizona. And they ended up using some you know, uh, recreators who were, uh, military, you know, uh, reenactors and stuff like that. And they, some of whom eventually we ended up working with also in Tombstone, uh, you know, seven years later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. In 1993. Any idea what happened to that little kid, Dowdy Shoa? I don't know. Okay. And uh, I think actually, I, 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 a pet peeve of mine is putting children in movies where they don't belong. <laughs> actually, actually, that was a big mistake of that film. I, okay. I'm not sure where. I mean, like, if you're going to put a kid in a movie, you have to do it like, you know, Cameron did in Aliens. Like, you just have mm-hmm. to find the perfect, right. you know, girl. And yeah. they have to be the perfect actor. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I don't think they took the time in that film. <laughs> In Rambo 3, you know, to find just that perfect little thespian who's going to, you know, knock it out of the park. Yeah. I don't know. I, I groan every time I see uh, scenes like that. It's, yeah. It's really funny. I read this long LA Times article that was written uh, during the production, I think, in 87. Uh, and it was a reporter who was over there. And at the time, Stallone was still mulling over if the kid should die. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's, and he has this whole quote of just like, yeah, like, I think he should die, but I don't want to be so distracting that people get mad. Like in two, when the girl died, it was great. Like nobody missed her. <laughs> but it was just like, oh, the candid things you get when a reporter's on set. <laughs> oh, man. That's why they don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay um so i guess you kind of already covered this but like which is your favorite of the movies i think that i i don't i know i mean in a weird way i almost just discount three yeah. I, so here's my 
it's this, here's your cra- here's my crazy theory. Okay, I think that there was probably personality clashes between Mulcahy and Stallone, and 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 I was not there in Israel. Sure. Stallone gets there and does that. So I'm talking out of my butt here. But here's my take on it. Homophobia ruined that film. Right? Like, and, and not that I'm saying Sloan is a homophobe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that probably he's a type A male and he arrives there and here's this gay director mm-hmm. who has a certain sense and a certain flair and a certain idea of how I'm going to do things. And they just didn't mesh, mm-hmm. you know. And it, and it was probably on multiple levels, but I'm kind of pop psychoanalyzing it and saying, if that gay director had stayed on that movie, you would have had this thing that was like a different spin, right? Mm-hmm. Than, yeah. the, than the first two. Mm-hmm. So in a way, as we discussed, it becomes this workmanlike journey that I think just uh, arrives. You know, it's okay. I mean, it made a decent amount of money. It wasn't like a failure, but it, it really is rather, it's just, it has no flavor to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think about the first two movies you know, to answer your question. Yeah. And I'd have to say that even though the first film is really solid as a drama and everything like that, you can't deny the second film. I mean, Rambo, right? The <laughs> word Rambo becomes, yep. becomes iconography yeah. and based off that film. And that film is really well done when it comes to editing, action, pacing, things like that. Of course, it was the time it was. Filmmaking has progressed. Our tastes have progressed. Looking back at it now, everyone would say it would, you know, it's corny, this and that. But you got to look at it in the context of when it was made, and it really was. It delivered all the action you wanted. I mean, it had cool exploding arrows and yes. <laughs> people being blown up with that, right? <laughs> uh, and I just think that that you, you only you hope that once in your career something like that hits and mm-hmm. it becomes the zeitgeist, you know, and, and, and expands much larger than you could ever uh, hope. I mean, of course, Stallone, to his credit, he had it, you know, he's had it multiple times, you know, Rocky, Rambo. What would be the third one? Is he a third one? Expendables. Maybe Expendables. It's, yeah, it, 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 it it needs the it, other it, two. It needs, yeah, it needs to yourself, right? <laughs> the wheels fall off, but it crosses the finish line. Uh, exactly. No, but yeah, Rambo 2, I mean, it becomes the blueprint for all action movies. And it's really funny, I, you know, I, the way I was looking at the releases in 88, actually to go back really quick, in that LA Times article that I read, it actually lends credence to your theory because what, what he says on set, uh, he's like, oh, I fired that director because he hired the Russians and they were all too pretty. There are, there are all these these men that were just too attractive, and so and that's literally what he said. So yes. I think I think that you that you know it wasn't necessarily homophobia, but like there was something yeah. We well, I use yeah. that term I use that term broadly. It can yeah. it can also just be like kind of gay panic. Like, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not sure what you're doing, and it's fine, but I don't know what I don't know how to how to use it. But I think there might have been like a camp element that possibly could have come into it. Yes, to at least turn it on its head, because uh, I think. When you look at especially the the I think the action in Rambo three is a holdover of like Rambo two action. And mm-hmm. then you're looking at other action films at the time, mm-hmm. there are already movies that are moving past it. Die Hard came out the same year. Yeah. Movies that are using visual effects in a more mm-hmm. um just creative way. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Look at Die Hard, look at Rambo three, and you kind of still have action from five, six years ago being brought into it. And just that, that also I think makes it feel just a little flat. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Yeah, I think that those two movies actually really bookend the kind of like the action, you know, the pillars of action really well. It's like that's like Rambo 3 is the eclipse of it and Die Hard is kind of that new era where you're getting your Nick Cage's and your Keanu Reeves as the stars and not these like macho Mm. men. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) These fantasy paintings come to life. Yeah. So by the time Rambo uh, comes back in a reboot in 2008 was... um, Buzz retired by then or just not interested or what was happening? Definitely retired by then. You know, okay. the uh, the rights to, I believe, all the, you know, the Rambo franchise and everything like that, it was, uh, they were held by the company Carol Co., which was uh, run by Andy Vanya and Mario Casar, and uh, Buzz was a um, uh, COO at some point or C, and anyway, was involved in the in the formation of that company. And then, uh, and then that film that company essentially carolco got kind of destroyed by its financing of terminator 2 in a in a weird way like you know it made this very successful movie but it was also incredibly uh just financial brinksmanship in order to kind of get it financed and made that was uh the company eventually you know was sold and sold two or three times i'm not sure whether the rights went with i believe they did go with carolco and then eventually were acquired by um i think it was Image, uh, I believe, is one of the producers of the Rambo, just Rambo, just right? Rambo. That, yeah. Yeah. That, one, yeah, that one came out. So by then, Buzz had retired, but uh, also it was a completely different company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Stallone also was, he was his own, right? Uh, he was kind of always his own uh, producing entity, but certainly by then mm-hmm. he was, um, I feel like, calling all of the shots, you know, and deciding, this is what, yeah. you know, this is what the film's going to be and this is how I want to do it. And because he, of course, gets to decide whether he wants to even act in it or not. And, <laughs> right. and the only way he's going to do it is if the story is exactly what he wants. And, mm-hmm. you know, he wrote that script, didn't he? Yeah, or, yeah, he did. One? I think he, he he wrote the next one as well. Right. We haven't seen the next two yet because uh, we are very, like... Um, strict on our yeah. watching order. Yeah. Well, I've actually seen it, but... Oh, but you saw it, like, it years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but did you and Buzz see that film? Do you have any thoughts on it? I, I know I know, I did. I don't know if he did. Okay. I, ha- I haven't discussed that with him. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw it. I, re- I, f- I, I forgot it very quickly, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I remember it being... Um, I remember it being almost unnecessarily brutal oh, in yeah. certain ways. Mm-hmm. And it felt... Like maybe it was trying to respond to what you know it thought action movies had become, mm-hmm. but it just felt unnecessarily bloody. Mm. And and I guess it, I think it's because the f- previous films, even though there's a high body count, the body count is very um, you know guy gets shot and he basically just he basically just does a twirl and falls yeah. down. Right. You know, it's not like it's not really yeah. like there's. Uh, I mean, yes, there are people who explode in both films. There's an exploding arrow, and there's the guy in Rambo 3 who gets, you know, uh, hanged by the rope and then kind of explodes in midair. But somehow Rambo was just, you know, way more violent, way more explicit. And although I think that probably is a response to the times, it did seem like it was trying too hard, Mm. you know, to me. So, you know. It, it wasn't my favorite. I'm intrigued about this this last one. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I haven't. I've purposely not really read much, yeah. just because I intend to go see it and you know be surprised by it. But it's just funny to think that you know you can be this actor like him and do this movie way back in '81, and now you're still doing it. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you know, it's crazy. In 2019, it's crazy. and uh, 
but that's that goes back to sort of what I was saying before. I think when you become one of these actors who is you know so big, that's where you go get to live your life. It's like so let's go do another one, you know, because mm-hmm. that's where I get to go and be. Uh, everyone does what I want, you know. I can, and, and and when you're not doing that, I imagine you're just sitting, kind of twiddling your thumbs, sitting in a room waiting one. for the next yeah, one. Yeah, when is the next one going to happen? You know, it's an actor's prison. I'm actually really curious, being so. You were steeped in the kind of like you're around when the blueprint of what action movies was being formed. And now, you know, you're a creator yourself, you're, you're a director yourself, and, and you've kind of seen where action's gone. Is there anything that you found novel or that you really like or where you think that action is going or it kind of portends the future of that? Or are you kind of beyond action at this point? Is it not, <laughs> is it, is it not as interesting to you because you've been around it so much? Well, I mean, I don't, ha- I don't have any grand uh, Tarantino-esque theories. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> forgive my rambling, but it, it it has been interesting to see, you know, so the films that uh, uh, my father Buzz made as a producer. So you've got movies like the Rambo films, you've got Uncommon Valor, Red Dawn, mm-hmm. um, things like that. <clears throat> you know, came from a real uh, the old school stuntmen. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry Leonard world, uh, the Terry, who was a great uh, stuntman and stunt coordinator, was actually considered as one of the directors for uh, First Blood mm-hmm. Part Two at one point, um, where it seemed like, as it had to be at that time, the limits were what a man's body could do, you mm-hmm. know, or a woman's body could do, of course, for that matter. And then, you know, obviously CG comes into, into the world and we begin to have, you know, so much more possibilities that are, uh, that are open to it. But then you get to the world today where you have Marvel movies and things like that. And you, I mean, and, and movies like, um, Atomic Blonde or you get these great tour de force, like the, you know, the Daredevil, uh, opening, you know, first yeah. season, mm-hmm. you get these great tour de force moments and it really becomes clear that you have to dedicate days weeks to these sequences in order Mm -hmm. to get what you get out of them and of course that means that the movies themselves bloat and get bigger and bigger their schedules get bigger their Mm -hmm. budgets get bigger and i think i'm 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 just fascinated how when you go and you try and make a movie uh like well you're just trying to make a movie on a you know on a normal budget or or a modest budget let's say so you're trying to make an action film and you're really trying to make it for five or Mm -hmm. or eight million dollars or even ten million dollars it's so hard to even get close to what people want to see and they begin to assume that you're not trying hard yeah that you're bad (laughs) that you're that you're bad at it and in actuality you just no, we cannot spend, yeah. you know, four days getting this one hit right, right? Mm-hmm. And we cannot, we cannot cover it with six cameras, you know, on bungee rigs like they will a Marvel fight, you know, and get every conceivable angle. It, you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So really, it's, it's been remarkable to see how uh, just in general, in features, budgets and schedules have inflated so to create the spectacle that, that you have to create in order to make it worth making as a movie otherwise now it becomes a streaming title you know? yeah going back to rambo for a second we talked a little bit about the iconography of like um rambo really becoming solidified in rambo first blood part two and i'm just curious if you can speak at all to the decision making regarding stuff like his knife the headband the bow why explosive arrows all of a sudden? Like, whose <laughs> whose idea was this? I mean, it's genius. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't have a ton of perspective on that. Mm. I'm pretty sure that you know uh, that um, the exploding arrows. I'm tr- 
trying to remember whether that's in Cameron's version or not. That seems like <laughs> that seems like his idea. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and, and guess that 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 was his idea, which is a really fun you know a fun concept. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I don't have any great uh, insight into those things, but just to underline what you just said. The headband, like I said, it's such a simple thing, but yeah. but it becomes like this. This it, you just it it has meaning. Like when you see him putting it on, you kind of know. All right, he's becoming <laughs> he's, he's become a superhero. A, he's also becoming the native, mm-hmm. right? In, which I think is he's becoming the 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 local who is part of the jungle and part mm-hmm. of. And I think it's kind of uh, recalling, you know, like a, a simpler warrior. That is now, you know, going to bring the hurt to, you know, the technological world that, you know, uh, he's fighting. And, uh, so cool. that's that's also, you know, one of the things that made me uh, think about, um, you know, I was talking about how you know, Cosmatos uh, you know, was being considered for a director as well as um, there was a cinematographer at the time that they were trying to consider also. His name I forget, but, and then there was Terry Leonard, the stunt director. But on Rambo 3, um I don't know if you know, John Milius mm-hmm. was for a while, long while, being courted to direct that movie. And that would have been a really fascinating uh, thing because Milius was always entranced with, the he, you know, he was always kind of a Kipling fan mm-hmm. and, and the whole Afghanistan, you know, uh, noble warrior kind of theme is something that he uh wrote about himself in, in screenplays, but also was, I think, just enamored of reading. Mm-hmm. And I think there would have been a kind of lyrical, more uh, interesting anthropological tale about mm-hmm. what the uh, perhaps the Afghanistan situation was in. Right. Whereas in the film that we get, it's kind of, it's just, it's pretty basic. It's like, okay, yeah. there are these freedom fighters and they can maybe, they'll maybe help you and the Russians are the bad guys. And I think you might have gotten a more intriguing, some more Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, a little yeah. exactly. But uh, unfortunately, it 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 did not work out. And Milius um, was always uh, is he's not passed away. So he's but he in his primary directing career, he was always um, very interested in mm-hmm. being the boss. You know, and I think he he at some point realized probably not I'm not going to be the boss of this movie. <laughs> or you know, I'm going to have to deal with several other bosses, including uh, including Sly. So that didn't work out, but that would have also been an interesting directorial choice. I think yeah. that could have made it, yeah. given the, the three, mm-hmm. a stamp that it doesn't have, you know? Yeah. Man. Yeah, you're making me want to see the other versions of Rambo 3. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the alternate dimensional versions. Yeah, yeah. In, in some futuristic world, maybe we can just all remake it That's know, 50 right. times. Speaking of different versions, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if you uh, read the, James, the full James Cameron draft of two. And if you can talk a little bit about his involvement with that movie. Or or not? <laughs> I, I I can't. The only thing I, the only thing I uh, the only little bit that I find interesting is um, that you know Cameron who wrote the script, of course, but mm-hmm. then the the story for it was by Kevin Jar, mm-hmm. who would later go on to write um, Tombstone, mm-hmm. um, and you know produced by the same people, so they're all you know. Kind of, Andy Vanya, Mario Kassar, my father, they were kind of all, you know, they all knew each other. But anyway, they eventually gave um, Kevin his first directing shot mm-hmm. at Tombstone and then fired him <laughs> 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 a couple of weeks into that movie because he uh, he wasn't doing uh, the greatest job as a director, even though he had written a script mm-hmm. that everyone uh, really, really loved. So uh, although I 
don't have a ton of, uh, you know, I don't really have any information about Cameron at the time. So it's interesting. He's writing Rambo too, and he's also writing Terminator, I think, yeah. at the time. So he's really, he's, he's firing on all <laughs> cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. The guys, I think the guy's career is set. And, uh, but I, I've always been intrigued by the fact that Jar was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of had the story involved there. And he too, you know, later Glory and Tombstone, uh, yeah. you know, did some really good, Projects, yeah, amazing stuff. So the film actually, you know, two has a really, a really good pedigree. Yeah, when you come down to you know the the minds behind it, and I think that's kind of lost in how people remember it Mm -hmm. as just this kind of Mm -hmm. silly jingoistic, you know, uh, celebration of violence. (laughs) Even though, um, you know, like it does have some pretty good film thinkers. Well, there's some there, there's some there there because I mean, it was so internationally loved too. It wasn't just like, yeah, America or like this thing. It wasn't about that again. It's like, it's him going native. It's about the individual. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, yeah, the jingoism is there, but there's something a little bit more, uh, unconscious to it that I think resonates on a different level. I think it still had Vietnam as a rather Vietnam still lived, you know, kind of as a ghost Mm -hmm. in that film. And, and in three, the Russian situation in Afghanistan, just it wasn't our war, you yeah, know, it right. wasn't kind of our thing. And so even though uh, it's just, that just wasn't as resonant with people. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, I think the, the wall was, you know, about to come down. It was coming but, down. You know, Gorbachev was we had Lousy, yeah, right. Yeah. So like that was already turning, but I think it, it also just, that was not our thing, you know, mm-hmm. and you were lucky probably if, if. Uh, 10% of your audience even understood what was going on there, you yeah. know, and then now they're being it's, asked to kind of... It's not explained well in the movie. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just still don't understand what's happening in that goat soccer scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was curious. Um, you know, in the end credits, there's all these thank yous for, uh, you know, a bunch of government officials, and then it says, and especially Senator Paul Wilson... And I was just curious, like, <laughs> uh, you don't really see that a lot. I didn't know if there was any reasoning I behind that. Don't know. Is that in three? In three, or yeah. In three. Senator and Paul he was Wilson. apparently a senator of California at the time. Hmm. I, I don't know. Like, very interested in that. Yeah. And you, I couldn't find anything online. You never know what uh, <laughs> what weird requests you have to make of yeah. people. Yeah. You know, I mean, often he, it's like import-export issues. You know, like sometimes right? you say like, okay, we have to get these, you know, this explosive gel has to get from, yeah. <laughs> you know, from California, you know, into, right. into Nevada. And we can't just take it across the border, right? Because the special effects, uh, you know, supervisor there, great unsung hero of, of two and three, uh, was, um, Tommy Fisher, uh, who I believe passed away now, but his, his son, Scott Fisher is, is now a great, uh, special effects, uh, foreman as well. But it was like a guy that just did everything, you know, you would just say, how big you want it to blow up? You know, and you just say, you just kind of say, you know, about that big. And you say, all right, you know, go off there and would give you, you know, oh, some man. enormous explosion. But yeah, so I think probably an import, I'm going to say import export yeah. issues with explosive gels or something. <laughs> you know, like if I had to guess, they had to fly uh, for the hind D's in three, they had to fly them to Israel and then modify them. So they had to put the helicopters in the body of like right. cargo planes. Yeah, exactly. There. So I, I mean, imagine yeah. it might be like Vandenberg or something like uh, that. Of, exactly. Some yeah. sort of military interface yeah you know we have uh we have like a little unofficial competition on the podcast about which movie we've seen that has the biggest explosions mm. and i feel like uh, oh it's rampant first blood part two <laughs> was yeah. the winner. Right. actually i i 
I, I don't know if I would necessarily differ with you, but I'll just say that in Red Dawn, there is, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember the movie, if you've seen it, this is the original Red yes. Dawn, mm-hmm. right? It was remade mm-hmm. um, uh, more recently, but the original one, um, there's a scene where they're fighting against a tank. They're trying to battle a tank. And, and uh, at the very sort of end of the sequence, these uh, uh, planes come in and bomb the Russian tanks out on this field. And uh, they, you know, the kids cheer, see Thomas Howell and Patrick Swayze. They're all cheering, you know, that, <laughs> oh, it's the Americans, right? And uh, same special effects guy, Tommy Fisher. He had like, I, I can't even remember how many there were, but there's something like, you know, I'm going to say 500 gasoline drums, you know, like out in the, out in the uh, field, right? And Milius is the director. And so, you know, we're just going to, they're going to set them off and, mm-hmm. and make it look like a giant, you know, napalm strafe. And it was the biggest GD explosion I have ever seen. I've been on a lot of movie sets and I've seen them, you know, so, you know, I know how to prepare. I know what, you know, how to kind of prepare yourself so you don't get your eardrums blown out. <laughs> And it was so enormous. But you know what? It was shot from so far away. <laughs> when you see it on the movie, it's this little, like, <laughs> in the oh, distance no. you see it. But I swear, being there in person, it was like the world had been set on fire. Yeah. And I, I think that was, like, the one moment where it was not shot well. Yeah. Yeah. Too, wi- too wide a lens. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they probably, because you have got too close, you'd see that it's just a bunch of barrels lined up. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're all being <laughs> <laughs> that might have been bigger, but uh, nice. oh man, that's amazing! Yeah, it had a lot of good explosions. Nice, yes. Yeah, I mean, it kind of from your dad on to you and everyone. It seems like almost everyone in your family is involved in the <laughs> movies. I mean, what has it been like just being uh, around that your whole life and everyone being involved? You know, it was dinner table conversation. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. uh, the problems of production were mm-hmm. the problems that we grew up sort of you know trying to. To, to fix or you would hear about those those issues. So it just was secondhand things, you know, growing up. It was kind of uh, what, it wasn't necessarily expected to go into it, mm-hmm. but it certainly was, it was easier to go into filmmaking when you had already, you know, known kind of the rules of how to behave and what was to be expected of you. It didn't, it has not made it any easier, you know what I mean? <laughs> to, to, to like get a movie made or yeah. to, to make a living. Like it's still very challenging, especially now it's been fascinating, you know, to watch the film industry completely change from 2005 to 2010 to go through the financial crisis and then mm-hmm. to watch uh, digital and streaming, you know, totally disrupt uh, the industry. So that's been really interesting from someone who was growing up watching the kind of old school, mm-hmm. um, you know, old school, I'm saying late, <laughs> late seventies, eighties and nineties, you know, not to, not to say that I guess that's mid school, right? Old yeah. School. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was the dinner table conversation. So yes, all my siblings, uh, all involved in it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and now, uh, I'm working on uh, several projects uh, as a producer, developing them. We have kind of a family production company, and we uh, do um, you know movies of varying ranges of budget, mm-hmm. and also pursuing my own writing and uh, eventually directing. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, where sure. can uh, people follow you if they want to uh, see uh, what's up? That is a really great question. Uh, let's see. On uh, Twitter, they can follow me at. Matthew GF. That's Matthew for 
grant functions. Okay. GF. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where I'm involved. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah. Thank you uh, thank so you guys. much. It was a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. And hopefully we'll see you again for Dragonheart. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot to talk about there. Yes. Yeah. All righty. <laughs> thanks. Well, that was a great interview. And you know what? Like Rambo always says, Nothing is over! Nothing! (laughs) Because there's more Rambo, you guys. Up next, we have R2O 20 years later. I'm kidding. (laughs) That's an H2O joke. Um, But seriously, 20 years later. Oh, run. (laughs) (laughs) 20 years later, uh, 2008, right? Um, We have just Rambo. Just Rambo. It's just Rambo, you guys. <laughs> There's no number. Just Rambo. Um, so, yeah, we're moving, like, way into the future on this one. Um, it's already going to be, I mean, you know, yeah, 20 years. That's a long time. Can Stallone still be that Jack? Can Rambo fight time? That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. What is like, Rambo time crisis? Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's called Demolition Man. Um, I know, sadly, that uh, Richard Crenna passed away in uh, 2003, so he's not going to be in it, which is sad. Um, But uh, this is the one uh, that I've actually seen already when it came Mm. out in theaters. Don't remember a ton about it, but uh, I'm interested to see what happens. (laughs) What do you guys, did you see it? Nope. Nope. So, yeah, uh, thank you again, Matthew Feichens, for coming in. Email us at sequelrights at gmail.com, social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at sequelrights. And thank you to Blank Spaces Coworking for letting us record. Check them out at blankspaces.com. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Again, the reviews go a long way. We really appreciate it. Cool. Well, we're going to see it next week when we talk about Rambo. Just Rambo. Just is long with many a winding turn that leads us to home knows who knows where but I'm strong strong Yeah.